Amen. Let's open our Bibles today to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, while you're finding your place, one of our members has lost a very precious ring. They, she believes in the sanctuary, Jean Johnson, and she and Tyler are about midway back in the center section, and uh, this ring has a lot of sentimental value to her. It's a diamond ring with a gold band. And if you look around where you are and you see at that ring, she said that she would uh, be happy to give a reward for the return of this ring that she has lost this morning. So um, if you can help us with that, that would be much, much appreciated. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Today I want to speak to you about the key to understanding the Bible. The key to understanding Scripture. I wonder how many times uh, maybe you've tried to read the Bible and you said, I just can't get into it. I just don't understand it. I'm telling you there is a specific key that is crucial in, in, in unlocking the understanding and the truth of the Word of God. And that truth, that key is understand, to understand the Word of God is having the author of this book living inside of you. The wisdom that we read in Scripture, and the Bible is the source of true wisdom, it comes from God. It did not come from human beings. The men who penned the Scriptures did not have the capability of understanding the truth that's contained in this Word. They wrote the Word of God as God gave it to them, and then they tried to figure out what it was that He's saying, and they tried to understand the meaning of it. Because they were given truth that they did not, it did not originate in their hearts. I want to begin reading in verse 6. And it begins almost like in the middle of a thought where he says, Yet we do speak. Now that's contrasted with what he says in verses 1 through 4 and even in the first chapter. But in verse 1 he says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. And I might I add today... Neither do I. I do not come together to, to you today, before you today, with superiority speech. I will stumble and stammer over my words, as I always do. I will spit when I talk, and, uh, and, and I may stutter over a word or not think of a word. I come with not a superiority of speech or of wisdom. Not human wisdom. What I share with you today is not human wisdom. It is God's wisdom. Proclaiming to you the testimony of God. All I have to give to you today is the word of God. It's the testimony of what God's book says about him and about man and his plan and his purpose for all of us. And the way of salvation in verse 2 he says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said that's the basis, that's the foundational truth of everything that I say is built on that truth, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, die who die, the one who died for our sins. Verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And this describes a lot of times what preachers feel when they stand in a pulpit to preach the Word of God. We come to speak God's word with human weakness. We come to speak God's word with a, a fear, fear of, of, of ac wanting to accurately teach and preach the word of God and not to 
in any way say anything that is not exactly what God's word says. And then he says, in much trembling. There's a trembling. There's a responsibility. When a pastor stands to speak the word of God, there is a, a strong, strong sense of urgency because there are all sorts of people, all different ages, all different backgrounds. There are people that have never come to faith in Christ. There are people that if their lives are not transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, will spend an eternity in hell. There are people who are indifferent. There are people that are hungry for the word. There are people that just, you know, are counting the minutes until it's time to get out and go somewhere else and get out of here. You've got all kinds of backgrounds. You've got young, young children. You've got teenagers. You've got college students. Are y'all getting warm in here? I won't get it too cool, but we'll try to get it to where some air is stirring. There's a lot of folks fanning, so it looks like uh, we're looks like we all over this place. Balcony downstairs. They're telling me, Pastor, it's hot in here. All right, and if you get cool, you just borrow somebody's coat next to you, and you'll be fine. So the key to understanding the Bible is having the Spirit of God, the author of the Word, living in you. And so Paul is saying, what I'm sharing with you, I didn't dream up. I didn't, I'm not smart enough to give you this information. God has given it to me, and I'm then imparting it to you. Verse 4, he says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, meaning human wisdom, but, uh, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. He said, what I'm preaching to you comes from the Spirit of God. God has given me this word to give to you. And then in verse 5, he says that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now we get to our text for the day with that background. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. And that's a word there that's referring to believers. We are complete. We are mature. It's, it's speaking of those who have been redeemed. He says, we do be, speak wisdom, godly wisdom, among those who are believers. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given us to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. 
But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, that means understands all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let us pray. Father, I pray that as we open this word today and as we read it and as we study it, God, that your spirit would make it to be where we can understand this truth, Lord. Thank you for the resident teacher who lives in us who are believers. And we thank you, Lord, that we do have the mind of Christ and we can understand truth, Father. We pray for those here today that do not have a relationship with Jesus, do not have the indwelling spirit, do not have that resident teacher in their lives. And Lord, only your spirit can bring them to Christ so that they too will have a new mind and a new heart and a new spirit and the spirit of God living in them that they might understand the word of God. These things, Father, I pray and ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The only person who can understand spiritual things is the person who has spiritual life. This is what the scriptures say in these last few verses that we read in chapter 2, where it says, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Who is the natural man? The natural man is a person who is unregenerate. The natural man is the person who has never been born again by the Spirit of God. The natural man is the man who is who is in sin, who is uh, in bondage to his sin. He does, he does not know God in a relational way. He has never received Christ into his life, and he is called the natural man. The natural man, the unsaved man person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't understand spiritual things. Why? It says, for they are foolishness to him. Earlier in this book, in in chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. The gospel is for those who are perishing foolish. And, and the word of God, the Bible, is foolish. There are people that think that the Bible is only for young children and old women. They think it's for people that are spiritually weak or just weak in general and need a crutch to rely on. There are people that think that Christians are crazy for thinking that this book that was written so many years ago is still applicable today. There are people that spurn this word. There are people who mock the word. There are people, they don't understand it and they don't understand Christians either. It goes on to say that you can't, they can't understand these things because they are spiritually appraised. They are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually understood. And if you don't have God's Spirit living in you, you cannot understand spiritual truth. You cannot understand the Bible. The Bible says in verse 15, but he who is spiritual understands, appraises, judges all things. We are able to have spiritual understanding. But he, yet he himself is understood by no man. So the spiritual man, the Christian, is not understood by the non-Christian. They don't understand why we get up on Sunday mornings and come to church and worship the Lord. They don't understand why we would give a tithe or, or more of our income to uh, invest in, in, in the kingdom work and, and to send missionaries all over the world. They don't understand that. 
They don't understand why we live the way we live. They don't understand why we don't do certain things. We are not understood by the world in general. Verse 16 just caps it off. For who has known the mind of the Lord? No man can, can know the thoughts of God. These men that penned the scriptures did not know the thoughts of God. God revealed his thoughts to them and his words to them, and they wrote it down. Even though they didn't understand fully what they were writing, they still wrote down what God told them to, and they told the people. And we have this book to hold in our hands today. So who has known the mind of, God, of the Lord? The answer that's no one that he should instruct him. No one. No man in his natural wisdom cannot know the mind of the Lord. But then he says in the last part of the verse, but we have the mind of Christ. Christians have the mind of Christ. We have a, a, a new mind. We have a new spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that it's the Holy Spirit that guides believers into understanding the truth of God? For instance, in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, notice what the Bible says in verse 26. Now this is a verse that, that refers to the promise of, of the inspiration of Scripture. But in uh, John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says to the disciples, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now this is the promise of divine inspiration of Scripture. This is the promise that God would give those who would pen the Scriptures the, the words that they needed to write down. He said, I will teach you, the Spirit will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that Jesus had taught them. I mean, Jesus taught a lot of things. How could they remember all that? They didn't have photographic memories. They didn't have uh, minds that could just remember verbatim everything. But the Spirit of God who came to indwell them on the day of Pentecost and indwells every person when we come to faith in Christ, He gives us the ability to understand spiritual truth. Also in John chapter 16, verse 13, notice what the Bible says. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13, says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, notice there the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. So here the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us. He guides us into understanding the truth of Scripture. Did you know that the Holy Spirit indwells every person who has been born again by the Spirit of God? Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not someone you get after you become a Christian. And when you get more spiritual, then you, you receive the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes at the moment that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John 7, verses 37 and 38 and 39 make this very clear. Now on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And I say to you today, if any of you are spiritually thirsty, you are tired of the guilt and the burden of your sin, 
We invite you to come to Christ. When we give the invitation at the close of the service, we invite you to come. If you're thirsty, if your, your, dry, your soul is dry and parched and you need for God's forgiveness, you need a right relationship with God, you come to Christ and drink. Notice in verse 38 it says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And then he explains in the next verse what this river of living water is and are. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When Christ ascended back into heaven into his full glory with the Father, <clears throat> then the Spirit of God was sent to the church. And from that point on, every time a person believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they received the Spirit of God. And so the Bible says, he who believes in Jesus out of his innermost being shall flow river, rivers of living water and that is a term used to refer to the Holy Spirit, as verse 39 bears out. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we see again that it's those who receive Christ receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. When you receive Jesus, His Spirit comes to live in you. We call Him the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit as opposed to the unholy Spirit. He is the Spirit who makes us holy he is the one who cleans us up. He makes us new on the inside and he makes us new on the outside. He lives in the believer. If you're not a believer today, if you've never publicly confessed your faith in Christ, received him as your Lord and Savior, you do not have the Spirit of Jesus living in you. You do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and you are not able to understand the truth, the wisdom of God that's given in the Word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand spiritual truth. Nicodemus was a great example of this. Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, you remember uh, Jesus was explaining to him about how to be born again. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, well, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? In other words, he didn't understand. He did not have spiritual understanding because he did not have spiritual life. Jesus said that you have to be born again and he did not understand that. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We have to have a birth from above. We have to be born of water. We have to be cleansed from our sins and only 
Christ's shed blood on the cross can cleanse us from our sin as we put our faith and trust in him. We have to be born of the spirit. The spirit of God comes to indwell us and he comes in to transform us and to guide us into all truth. Notice Jesus said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We all have had a spiritual, uh, physical birth, but we also need a, a spiritual birth. And then Jesus says, do not marvel, verse 7, that I said to you, you must be born again. And he gives an, a demonstration or an illustration about the wind. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And notice Nicodemus' response in verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? How can these things be? And look what Jesus said to him in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? You do not understand these things? Why did Nicodemus not understand these things? Because he, though he was a teacher of Israel, he was a preacher, so to speak. He had, he had read the Old Testament. He had read, he had taught the Old Testament, but he did not understand spiritual truth. There are people that come to Sunday school. There are people who sit in worship services that do not understand the truth that they read and hear taught. And the reason is, our, we do not understand, a person does not understand is if they do not have the author of Scripture living in them, and that is the Spirit of God. Now, does that mean you'll understand everything about the Bible immediately when you get saved and the Spirit comes to live in you? No, that's not the case. You do not immediately understand everything. There has to be deep, continual, long-term study. We have to study the Word of God. We have to sit under gifted teachers who teach the Word of God. But we have the capacity to learn and to understand spiritual truth because we have the, the author of this book living in us. And when we read this Bible, we're reading it in the presence of the one who wrote it. The Spirit of God. So the Bible is the source of true wisdom. Now let me just give you two quick points here. The first point is this. True wisdom is not humanly discovered. True wisdom is not humanly discovered. That's the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to make back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He's trying to make the point that I did not discover this wisdom that I'm imparting to you because it's God's wisdom and, and it cannot be humanly discovered. There are people that think that this is just a book written by a bunch of men. And we can't trust what it says because these are just human beings who wrote this book. And that is not the case. The Bible is written by God. The Bible was not written by human wisdom, nor can it be understood by human wisdom. Let me give you an illustration. Did you know that it is impossible for a creature to understand a lesser creature to understand a more advanced creature. And here's, here's my point. Take the fl a flea. A flea cannot understand a dog unless he has at least, is, is, is at least advanced in understanding as a dog is. And a dog cannot understand man 
unless a dog is at least as advanced in understanding as man is. A lesser creature cannot understand a higher creature, a more advanced creature. It's impossible for that to happen. Now just think for a moment, how much greater is the gap between we, you and I, the creation of God, and our Creator? Man, in his original, natural, unregenerate state, and the Creator. There's a huge gap there. How can man understand God? How can man understand the wisdom of God? It's impossible. It is impossible unless he has God's life in him. That is the only way that we can understand the truth of God's Word. So Paul is saying here, like in verse 6, we do not, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature Christians, a wisdom not of this age, not of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. That means that all the man's wisdom, worldly wisdom, it is futile, it is empty, and it will eventually pass away. But God's wisdom is eternal. It will never, ever pass away. He goes on to say in verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. God's wisdom is held secret from those who do not have His life in them. But it is revealed to those who do know Him. He says that God predestined the, I'm sorry, verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, something that is kept secret on purpose until a time where God would reveal it. God's Word is revealed to those who have hearts to receive it. God's Word is revealed to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe the truth and receive the truth into their lives. God reveals His wisdom, which is kept hidden from those who are not regenerate. Verse 8 says, The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, the rulers of this age, the rulers and, and those authorities of this age, they don't understand the wisdom of God. If they did, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. And then he quotes a verse in verse 9. It's a quote from the Old Testament, and a, a loose quotation from that uh, from the Old Testament that tells, it's a verse that's often taken out of context. It says, but just as it is written, now here's the quote, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Some people believe that's talking about heaven, that we can't imagine what heaven's like and what God's prepared for us. It's not really talking about heaven, it's talking about the wisdom of God. That the human heart, the human mind, the human eye, with our own natural eye, our natural ears, our natural heart, we cannot understand all that God has prepared for us, all the wisdom that God has to give us. The unregenerate man, the unsaved man cannot, cannot understand that, cannot receive it. But the one who is regenerate, who has been born again, he can. All that God has prepared for those who love him. When you love God, you have Christ living in you. You have his spirit living in you. He enables us to understand spiritual truth. So, true wisdom cannot be humanly discovered. How, then how can it be discovered? True wisdom is divinely revealed. Look in verse 10. 
For to us God revealed them. Us there means Paul and all the other writers of Scripture. God revealed truth to them. This is called revelation. They received revelation from God and they wrote down what God gave them. The message of God's truth, which the Holy Spirit communicated to the biblical writers, that's what's meant by revelation. The Holy Spirit is the divine author of the Bible. He used many human agents to pen the scriptures, but the message is entirely God's. The revelation is God's pure word. And it gives an illustration here. Let's read on in verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man? Those of us in this room today, there is nobody in, that can know us as well as we know ourselves, other than God, of course. But no other human being can really know us as well as we know ourselves, cannot know our deepest thoughts. Only your own spirit can know what's really inside you. Well, in the same way, it says in verse 11, the middle of verse, even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. The thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. So just as no other man can know our hearts, no one can know the heart of God and the thoughts of God except for God Himself. Y'all cool enough now? All right, we'll cut it off the rest of the way. There'll be a little fan going, but that's it. All right, so here we see that God is saying that the only one who can know the mind of God and the heart of God is the Holy Spirit of God. And he's the one that's given Paul and others who wrote the scriptures the truth. That's why we can have confidence in this book as the word of God because it's not humanly discerned. It's not just humanly originated from human minds. It came from the very mind of God. The very mind of God. And it's held secret from those who do not know God, but it's given freely to those who do know God. So the wisdom that's given in Scripture is divinely revealed. It is revealed. It's impossible for us to discover the truth, but God has said, you don't have to discover it. I'm going to freely give it to you. I'm going to give you understanding. He gives us revelation. He also gives the, this revelation by the way, by way of inspiration of Scripture. Notice in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given us from God. How did the writers receive this revelation from God? Well, I shared that last week. They received it by divine inspiration. The message is the, revel the revelation of truth is a message. How it was, was revealed was the method, the method of inspiration. God inspired this book Verbally inspired it, word for word. Over and over, it talks about the words. I said last week, 3,800 times in the Bible, those who penned the scriptures said, the Lord has spoken, God has spoken, the word of the Lord came to me. The Lord says, in various ways, they gave credit to what they were saying as to not being their own words, but being the words of God. So it was given by divine inspiration. This is the process that the Spirit of God transmitted God's truth to us. It came through these writers by divine inspiration. They delivered the message of God. The Bible writers didn't record their own ideas and their own interpretations. 
They recorded the word that God gave them. God used their own personality. He used their own vocabulary. He used their own experiences. He used their own emotions. But God gave them the word that we read. The Bible, therefore, is not only God's word, but it is God's words. Now, the last part is illumination. We have revelation came to the biblical writers by the method of inspiration, verbal inspiration of the words. But then, how do we understand it? Because there's no more biblical writers today. There's no more divine revelation to be given. It is the divine, it is, it is understood today because God's Spirit illumines our minds. And that's what verses 14 to 16 are indicating. That the, mat, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are, they are foolishness to him, but he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They are spiritually understood. They are spiritually comprehended. I want to ask you a question today. Do you have God's Spirit living in you? Does the Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Do you have God's Spirit? That's the only way you can understand this Word of God. We're going through reading the Bible Four chapters a day during this year. We'll go through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once and the Psalms also will be twice. But you will not understand what you read if you do not have God's Spirit living in you. I want to close with something Billy Graham wrote. During his early years before he launched his ministry, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but he struggled He struggled with... Uh, I can find it here. He struggled with this issue of the Bible being all true because there were things in it that he just wasn't sure about. And this is is where he came to in his life. I want you to listen to what he said. Billy Graham said, I believe it's not possible to understand everything in the Bible intellectually. One day some years ago, I decided to accept the scriptures by faith. There were problems I could not reason through. When I accepted the Bible as the authoritative Word of God, by faith, I found immediately that it became a flame in my hand. That flame began to melt away, unbe- began to melt away unbelief in the hearts of many people and to move them to decide for Christ. The Word became a hammer, breaking up stony hearts and shaping men into the likeness of God. Did not God say, I will make my words in thy mouth fire? Jeremiah 5.14 And is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Jeremiah 23.29 Graham goes on to say, I found that I could take a simple outline, then put a number of scripture quotations under each point, and God would use it mightily to cause men to make full commitment to Christ. I found that I did not have to rely upon cleverness, oratory, psychological manipulation, apt illustrations or striking quotations from famous men, I began to rely more and more upon Scripture itself and God blessed it. I am convinced through my travels and experiences that people all over the world are hungry to hear the Word of God. Do you have that hunger? Do you have a hunger for this book? Have you been born again and Because of your new birth, God has put His desires in your heart. And you desire to know Him. You desire to hear what He wants for your life. This is a love letter. The Bible is a love letter to the child of God. 
Somebody said, well, I don't understand the scripture. And the, the other person said, well, that's what you get for reading somebody else's mail. You see, if you're not a believer, when you read this Bible, it's like reading somebody else's mail. It's like reading a love letter that, that a man wrote to some other woman or a woman wrote to some other man. It means nothing to you. But when you are in love with Jesus Christ and you read this book, it just speaks to your heart. You see the love of God in this book. You see the forgiveness of God and the redemption of God and what he did, how he laid, came and laid his life down on the cross for our sins. You see God all through this book because he authored it. It's all about him and it's about what he wants for man. It's his redemptive plan for man and we must receive it and believe it and live it and love it. Do you do that? You don't know Christ today. We're gonna to invite you in just a moment to come and receive him as your Lord and your Savior. He'll put his spirit in you and this book will come alive in your heart and you'll begin to read it and begin to understand it and God will, will apply it in your life by his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your presence here today. Thank you for the precious word of God and how it speaks to our heart. And Lord, that you've given us your Holy Spirit to enable us to understand this word. Father, thank you that you have not kept hidden the truth and, 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 and spiritual wisdom, but God, you've imparted it by your Spirit. And we have the written word that we can sit and read every day and hear your voice speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive your word and your truth. And I pray if there's anyone in this room today who has never in a public way acknowledged Jesus as their Savior and Lord, that they would come during the time of invitation and say, Pastor, I want Christ to live in my life. I want my sins to be forgiven, and I need a Savior, and I believe Christ died for my sins. I receive Him as my Savior and my Lord. Lord, draw people to come today, young people, adults, children, draw them to Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anyone that needs a church home today, would you draw them to be a part of this local church body? To use the gifts you've given them, the spiritual gifts, to help build up and strengthen this, this body of Christ and help us to reach the people of this community and of the world that need to know Christ. If there's someone here today, Father, that has let sin stop up the pipeline in their lives and the Word of God can't get through their heart because sin is there preventing it. I pray that there would be a repentance and confession and turning from sin, Father. Cleanse us, O God. Make us as white as snow. Make our, our sins, Lord, to be cleansed and removed in every way that we might know and have the joy of our salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me today as we sing? Would you come as God moves in your heart? As you respond, let us sing together.